This show has explicit language and probably has mature themes. Hey, John, will you give us that lick? Dexter Sorensen. I look some stuff up on Wikipedia, watch some YouTube about it, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondale. David, what's happening, Captain? Hey! Uh, not too much. I'm still a little bit tired from the puppy. Yeah, you just got a new puppy. Yep. But today was my first day off this week. Alicia f- took the first half of the week off, and I took Thursday, Friday off. Nice. Oh my um, god, your puppy's so cute. Yeah, he is really cute. Well, little Taiko. He's yeah. a little Sheba. A little red, red Sheba. Yeah, we'll put him on the Instagram sometime. Yeah, we'll need to. Um. Anyway, yeah. what are we going to learn about? Wait, oh yeah, I'll tell you. But first, we also have a listener um, correction. Oh, heck yeah. Okay, yeah. Slash extrapolation. We don't get enough of these, honestly. Yeah, they're fun. So Janine hit us up on Instagram and she said, Love you guys. Just thought I should mention, you know, being a schmientist and all. That in your humidity episode, David calls evaporation an ectothermic process and says he hopes it's not the other one, exothermic. While he was right in saying that evaporation absorbs heat, the correct term is endothermic, not ecto. Just thought you guys should know. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, actually, we appreciate now that I think that, about Jenny. it, ectothermic doesn't really make any sense. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a ghostly thing. Yeah, like ectoplasm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, your, I mean, that's your ectoplasm noise. Yeah, it always seems goopy in the movies. Yeah, yeah, that's truth. I wonder why the ghosts leave behind so much goop. Anyhow. Oh, yeah, now you can ask me what we're learning about. What, <laughs> what are we going to learn about? Uh, we're going to do two short topics. We're going to do catnip and pop rocks. Okay, catnip and pop rocks. <laughs> yep. Uh, we'll start with catnip. And I still have a bunch of other short topics to do, so don't worry, because... To the listener, we're going to eventually do some short topics and get Jonathan and David in on them, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. has been discussed. <laughs> let's start with catnip. Catnip is a plant in the mint family. Yep. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And its scientific name is Nepeta, <laughs> Nepeta cataria. Hmm. Okay. I think it's backronymed for cats. Yeah. Cataria. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, here's a quote from Wikipedia. Nepocataria is a short-lived perennial, herbaceous plant that grows to be 20 to 39 inches tall and wide, which blooms from late spring through autumn. Okay, that gets quite a bit larger yeah. than I imagined. Actually. actually, yeah, you usually just see little shoots. Mm-hmm. Um, but all over the stem and leaves of the plant is an oily compound called nepotalactone. Nepotalactone. So that's where the genus name comes from in a yep. scientific name, nepotalactone. Yep, and the plant uses the nepalactone as an insect repellent. Wait, nepatolactone or nepalactone? Nepatolactone. Okay, nepatolactone. Yeah, uses it as a insect repellent. Like oh, it okay. repels mosquitoes and ticks and mites and shit. I see. Yeah, it's chemical warfare. Yeah, so much of the healthy compounds that we get from plants are, uh, in some ways or another, chemical warfare. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. 
Like a lot of the bitter compounds that you find in really healthy plants. Mm. I mean, they're bitter for a reason. If you eat too much, it's bad for you. Oh, yeah. And I've heard that peppers are spicy because birds are the only thing they can't. Yeah, can't birds taste, don't taste that. Yeah. And so they can just eat it and shit the seeds out wherever they fly. Exactly. And so it, like, it, it lends itself to a very specific method of um, seed dissemination. Mm. So uh, the nepotalactone. Um, is actually weirdly similar to pheromones that cats use in oh, communication. Okay, yeah. Like, and when they like eat the catnip or rub around in it, it gets in their nostrils and binds to the same receptors that the pheromones re- re- receive. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically, it just tells the cat there's like shit tons of pheromones around. It's like, oh, starts to kind of act like it's in heat. Like I, I, yeah, that's weird, right? It's yeah, it's almost like getting high off of a, a surge of um, pheromone-induced emotions. Yeah, yep. Um, I got a quote from Wikipedia: A pheromone. Uh, this is like basically what pheromones are. A pheromone is a secreted or excreted chemical factor that triggers a social response in members of the same species. Pheromones are chemicals capable of acting like hormones outside the body of the secreting individual to impact the behavior of the receiving individuals. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I just thought it was well said and I never really oh, like, definitely. thought yeah. about it like as like specifically to impact the behavior of other animals. Right. Right. Whereas like hormones are secreted internally and are to impact your own behavior and development. Yeah. Um, but so, like, the cats that it does affect, it doesn't actually affect all cats. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. What like, is it? It's somewhere around somewhere, 50%? Some people say 50. A lot more people say a third. Okay. It only affects one third? No, no, no. Two thirds are affected. I one see. third aren't affected. Okay. Sorry. Um, but pretty much everybody agrees it's a genetic factor. Oh, okay. Like, why it does or doesn't happen. Yeah, that makes sense. But they haven't really looked very closely into it, as far as I know. <laughs> Um, but the ones that are, that are affected by it are like super, super attracted to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like rub their face all in it, roll around in it. Beg for l- it even. Beg for it, lick it and chew it. Yeah. And some like even fucking drool. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and meow. <laughs> Basically they get high as fuck and act like a fool. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Sometimes like older cats become way more playful and kitten-like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um... Like a lot of the a lot of people describe it as kind of like they act like a cat in heat. Yeah, yeah, and even the males, <laughs> even the. Ma- <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were talking about those receptors that get the reach receive the pheromones in the cat's nose. Mm-hmm. Um, those receptors affect three main parts of the cat's brain. Okay. The olfactory bulb, the amygdala, and the hypothalamus. So the olfactory bulb processes scent, largely. Right. The amygdala, in part, regulates emotion and decision-making. Mm-hmm. And then the hypothalamus is pretty much responsible for sexual responses. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. It's okay. probably why they act like they're in estrus. Yep. Yeah. And actually, it also might be why catnip only affects cats that are sexually mature. Oh, does it? Yeah. That's weird, Doesn't right? affect kittens. Mm-mm. Interesting. They have to be, like, around eight weeks old. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, like maybe their receptors are just turned off because it's fucking useless for them. Yeah, it could be that they're not developed yet. Yeah. Um, but when they do get all fucking high on it, it lasts for like 10 to 15 minutes. Yep. Yep. And after that, it takes like 30 minutes, between 30 minutes and a couple hours for them to get that high again. Okay. Yeah. But so ca- they can't just chain it. No, no. Yeah, because no. you never see them do that. No. Nope. At least I haven't. And then cats that are on the nip all the time. <laughs> I want to say on the nip. Um, <laughs> develop a tolerance and need more nip to get high again. Oh, geez. That sounds expensive. Right? But it actually hasn't been shown to be harmful or addictive. Oh. So yeah. they can quit anytime they want. <laughs> they can quit, man. <laughs> just get get the fuck get the fuck off their shit, dude. Yeah, they're just having a good time. They're fine. Um, catnip also affects some large cats like lions and jaguars. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. There's some really cool YouTube videos, like, watching giant cats get fucked big up. Big cats are, at this point, kind of only distantly related to... I mean, in yeah. terms of the family structure, mm. small cats that house cats uh, were derived from are not closely related to big cats anymore. Yeah, but it doesn't affect some big cats as far as I'm aware. Okay. So I don't know what the the difference must be, just the receptors in their nose, whether or not they've adapted or changed. Okay. It's just interesting that the, that must mean that the entire cat family, there are species that are probably affected if... If cats as widely separated as the big cats, because it's basically like cats are separated into cats that can growl and cats that can't. Okay, yeah. And I mean like, tr- or sorry, cats that can roar, roar, roar. Okay, cats yeah. that can roar and cats that can't. <clears throat> but yeah, lions and jaguars can both roar. Can both roar, huh? Um. But like I just said, it does, it isn't harmful, but cats actually can overdose on it and get vomit and di- and vomit or get diarrhea oh so it can be harmful it's probably like saying that the monkey that smokes out of a gas mask that only inhales weed that's probably like saying that weed is bad have you you heard of that no they like basically asphyxiated a monkey with cannabis smoke uh-huh. and then said the cannabis is bad <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah um it's not very good science no i'm sure it wasn't fun for the monkey no fuck no it's like they did a lot of fucked up shit like that they uh injected an elephant with like a giant yeah like a giant syringe of lsd and it fucking died yeah that's fucked up uh but anyhow (laughs) uh yeah that's fucked up yeah um catnip can't affect us or like most other mammals because they don't have the same receptors that's just so fucking funny, though, that there's something, a mammal out there that uses a pheromone that is so similar to a plant compound yeah, to, to the, be used as a pesticide that there's that crossover. But it's, yeah, I guess and, we were just talking about weed. It's kind of the same thing. We produce a compound oh, yeah. in our own uh, body called anandamide. That's so weird, right? Yeah, called anandamide. And this plant produces a compound called THC that binds with our anandamide receptors and our body treats as identical to anandamide. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, I'm just speculating. Don't know, but I don't think that's probably convergent evolution. That's probably just coincidence. Yeah. It's just a coincidence. I think. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, we don't have any specific um, relationship 
with that plant, evolutionarily speaking. Yeah. It's not like pollinators in their plants that have a specific evolutionary relationship where like oh, some yeah, plants, like, like we just talked about uh, hot peppers and birds. Mm. That's a specific evolutionary relationship. Or like Humans don't have and... an evolutionary relationship with pot as much as like no. I've heard some potheads profess. Dude, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is smoking like 16 blunts a day. Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Utsi was smoking way more than that. Go listen to Utsi. Send our jeans. Send our jeans. Okay, um, but that's all I got about catnip. You want to move on to Pop Rocks? Pop Rocks, yeah. Pop Rocks. All right, so let's start with a wiki quote. The concept was patented by general foods researcher chemist Leon T. Kresner and William A. Mitchell on December 12, 1961. But the candy was not offered to the public until 75. Whoa, that's a big gap. Right? Um, but now it's not owned by General Foods. It's owned by Zeta Especial. Okay. Yeah. Zeta Especial. Yeah, I it's think. It's Especial. <laughs> um, Pop Rock's main ingredients are basically the same as most candies. Like hard sugar candies. Okay, yeah. So makes you sense. got sugar, water, corn syrup, and flavorings. Gotcha. Like, that's it. Um, Say, so like, you might be asking yourself, but why did they, so why did they fizz and pop in your mouth? Um, yeah, you're asking yourself that. You don't have to ask me that. That's right. I'm going to oh, guess, guess that, that they have a gas trapped inside their structure. That's true. That when you when you start to dissolve the sugar and corn syrup in the heat of your mouth, the heat in the digestive enzymes, the gas starts to release. That's exactly right, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, but how they get it in there? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess... It's kind of uh, what I think high is pressure part of it. Really high-pressure jets. Yeah, yeah. I found out that the air guns at my work can technically cause an embolism through your oh, skin yeah. Yeah. if you were to put the nozzle against your skin and just like press the trigger it could actually cause an embolism and kill you holy shit in in uncommon instances yeah but yeah don't don't do that I not guess. even against your skin much less up your butt yeah that would probably be really bad Oof. like don't even think about your butt yeah don't even think about that one I was going to say much less your ear, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, anyhow. um, So basically they take the same ingredients uh, and it's made similarly to how regular candies are made. Okay. So you take take those ingredients, heat them up, and then the sugars dissolve into the mixture. And then they keep heating up until it's boiling and most of the water will evaporate out. Right. Okay. Like this sugary syrup, basically. Pretty thick. Yeah, and usually in like regular hard candies, you, that's what you would pour into a mold, right? And that becomes your candy. Gotcha. Yeah. But in Pop Rocks, you pump pressurized CO two into the syrup mixture. Okay. So yeah, it's CO two, same shit as in sodas. Makes um, sense. Yeah. Because it has a kind of an effervescent feel to it. Yeah, and so yeah, while it's still hot, you get it in the stew that's pressurized with. Uh, and like a hot pot is pressurized with over 600 psi. Oh, geez. Okay, I see. Carbon dioxide, and then you stir the shit out of it while it's yeah. still doing it, and then you let it cool. 
you basically put it like on the surface of Venus if Venus was only made of CO2 yeah. and then just like stir the crap out of it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's going to have a lot of CO2 in it. Yeah. And when it turn when it cools it turns hard and brittle like a regular sugar candy. Right. But when they relieve the pressure even more, it all shatters and turns oh. into those little candy those little Shards, pop rocks yeah. that you that you put in your mouth. Okay. Like they don't have to chip away at it. That's just like what happens. Dang. Yeah. But the process has still left all those little tiny bubbles in the pop rock. That sounds like such a cool process to have discovered. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, we have a little bit more about, okay. about that guy. Um, so, yeah, pop rocks are usually stable to a little over 80 degrees. And, the, but, and like you said right in the beginning, the saliva in your mouth dissolves the sugar around the surrounding bubbles of pressurized carbon. Right. And it like pops sometimes with enough force to jump around in your mouth with. Yeah. 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 Sometimes they, yeah, exactly. They can like fling themselves. Yeah. I've had them fly out of my mouth. (laughs) Uh, I should have got some pop rocks on the way here. Oh, that'd be fun. Yep. Just record them. Yep. For the outro. Didn't do it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, the guy who made them, William A. Mitchell, also invented Tang, Cool Whip, Quick setting jello and powdered egg whites. Dang, this guy was just like a genius in the uh, yeah. food industry. Yeah, for, worked for General Foods. All in all, he received over 70 patents. Dang, okay. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, he joined General Foods in 1941, and his first major success came with a tapioca substitute <laughs> uh, made during World War II. Okay which he developed in response to the disruption of cassava supplies. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know cassava is? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's like a little tuber. Yeah, and it's actually the staple um, in most of the Southern Hemisphere. It's like one of the most harvested crops in the okay, world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like in uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, I think it's like it's like their potatoes and rice, basically. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, because of that, the tapioca quickly became known as Mitchell Mud. Mitchell within Mudd. the u.s world war ii infantry that's funny mitchell mud yeah <laughs> so does that mean tapioca comes from cassava no he was using it as a like substitute using... for the lack of cassava and that was probably something that they could make easily and distribute to the people probably without cassava because cassava was not in large supply yeah and they needed the cassava to make tapioca no they're in my in my understanding of it, they just had a food shortage. Oh wait, so you're where was he shipping this tapio? The soldiers were eating cassava. <laughs> yeah, the soldiers were eating cassava. Oh, American soldiers were eating cassava in World War Two. Apparently, yeah. Interesting. I yeah. had no idea. I mean, I could be really wrong, but if I am, and you know, let us know, and we'll put it in the show. Um, you want to get on to pop rock myths? Yeah. All right. So they're totally safe. Nonetheless, there's that myth that eating pop rocks and drink soda will cause your stomach to fucking explode. What? You never heard that? No. Oh. Um. What the hell? Jonathan, you heard that? Yeah. Will drinking soda make your stomach? <laughs> right. Um. In part. It's <laughs> fucking exactly. In part, it's because of the false assumption that pop rocks contain an acid-base mixture, like baking soda and vinegar. 
Oh. And then that produces large volumes of gas when mixed through chewing and saliva. Oh, I see. Yeah. And there's also the one of the myths. Don't got, you think like, you would taste that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like if it had, <laughs> uh, if it had a strong base to it, not only would it burn. <clears throat> oh, but it would also. No, I think the connection was probably not well thought out. Yeah. Between pop rocks and that, they just saw something that fizzes and seems like it's gaining energy when it's being ingested, is probably going to cause pain in a closed container what they think of as your stomach that's funny but anyway one of the myths got like even way more more specific and involved the child actor little mikey from the 1970s life serial commercials and okay (laughs) he was falsely rumored to have died after consuming excess amounts of pop rocks and coca-cola oh my god how do these rumors (laughs) get started right exactly yeah, he didn't die. <laughs> he just didn't continue acting. He like and like in 2012 he became the director of some media company and said he had no memory of filming the commercials when he was 3. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I remember hearing rumors that you remember when people got obsessed with putting Mentos in Coke bottles and mm. the top would shoot off. Yep. Um I remember hearing a myth that if you drank a bunch of Coke and then drank enough of it and then popped some Mentos you would you could like vomit up a bunch of that stuff, but it's obviously false. Like, a unshooken two liter of soda has all of its carbonation remaining. Yeah. When you drink that and it's in your stomach, do you, it's flat at that point. Also, I would still try it just because it'd be so fun if that worked. That just and also, I bet it would feel kind of good. Yeah. One time I unless it was went feeling up your really nose. sick. Unless it went up your nose. Hmm. You think it? Uh, nah, that burned like shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, one time when you're sick. Yeah, one time I was feeling sick and I drank a bunch of really cold um, watermelon juice and then I threw up like right after that mm. and I wasted a bunch of watermelon juice, which sucked, but it was the most pleasant time I ever had throwing up. Yeah. I hadn't reached body temperature yet and so it was like nice and cool. Same thing with me. Uh, it was a different drink, but one time I threw up freshly ingested chocolate milk. And it Ew. tasted about the same coming up as it did going out. It wasn't you know even that what? bad. Yeah, that's it. Sounds that's gross worse though. Than the, that's worse <laughs> it than the, is worse, but because like it has like animal proteins and fat in it. Yeah, but mine still, was it's just like just it was like so smooth. Almost going water. Down, and it was also smooth coming back. <laughs> it's like lubricating itself out. Yeah, but like just <laughs> drinking milk causes you to like phlegm up and produce. Oh, mucus. now it does. I used to drink so much more milk. Anyway, <laughs> any other Pop Rock Smiths? Uh, well, yeah. Um, but, like, it was kind of such a big deal that um, I got a big old quote from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Though the confection had been ex- extensively tested and found safe, safe, the carbonated candy still alarmed residents in Seattle. The Food and Drug Administration set up a hotline there to assure anxious parents about the fizzing candy that it would not cause their children to choke. General Foods was battling the quote-unquote exploding kid rumor as early as 1979. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Exploding kid rumors? (laughs) Jeez. General Foods. People are so fucking gullible. Right? Oh my god. Um... (laughs) 
<laughs> they had to send letters to school principals. They created an open letter to parents, took out advertisements in major publications, and then they sent <laughs> the that guy, William A. Mitchell. Mm-hmm. They sent him on the road <laughs> to talk about it. He just like went around pounding two liters of sodas and then just like six packs of uh Yeah. Pop rocks right to the stomach. Yeah, exactly. He uh he, night after night. He explained got pretty fat. He went on the road explaining to people that a package of pop rocks contains less carbon dioxide than half a can of soda. <laughs> <laughs> and like apparently it's such a big deal that it was in the very first episode of Mythbusters. Oh really? Yeah, Jamie and Adam like took this goat stomach and filled it with like six bags of pop rocks and a six pack of coke, and sealed it up, and it went blew up to like three times its size, but it didn't explode. Yeah, that's just because all of the carbon dioxide yeah. came out of uh, solution. Yeah, but they also did another stomach used as the ca- like counterpart. <laughs> I was gonna say control, but and also you burp. Yeah, you burp. Like, your your stomach's not actually a closed system. There's no pressure yeah. valve on it. The gas rises to the top, and that causes a burping reflex. Mm-hmm. You're pretty good at it. I'm, yeah, I'm a pro. I think you make this noise when you burp. Oh. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I could just, like, open my mouth. Sometimes, if I'm in public and I have to burp, I just keep my mouth completely shut. Yeah. Teeth together, locked, just and blood. I exhale through my nose. Oh, interesting. It's just like a little rumbling in my throat. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Of course it makes noise. My pouches are loud. Yeah, they are. I don't know why that happened. I never used to be that way. Huh. Maybe you just became more confident. No. Something like... Fell into yourself. I think something happened like physiologically Mm. to me. Maybe I just swallow more air than I used to. I don't know what it is. Your gut bacteria has changed. Maybe. Uh, That's pretty much all I got about catnip and pop rocks okay you got anything else you want to talk about catnip and pop rock pop rocks um not really it's so fucking funny how how easy how easily it is to like scare people over the dumbest things um and you know i i almost wonder sometimes it seems like the the dumber the thing is the harder it is to get people to accept that they were wrong because they don't want to believe that they were like stirring the pot over something that is actually just kind of like impossible as soon as you know anything (laughs) about the thing. Mm -hmm. And I think they're embarrassed to be like, Oh shit. I got so excited and I didn't even bother to fucking educate myself. People just don't really like to admit that they don't know something. Yeah. Like I always like just feel dumb. One sign of meeting a good person in my opinion is you're talking movies with them. You're talking movies, like music with them. Um, if they're freely willing to admit that they haven't seen that mm-hmm. or heard it, then I like I like people a lot better who are totally willing to just admit that they ain't seen something. Yeah, like <laughs> it doesn't really happen as much with adults, but even kids, I hate you if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's it for this episode. Explanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. Art and logo by Monet Moran. I want to thank all our past and current cherished p- listeners <laughs> and beloved listeners on Patreon. 
Your support means everything to me, to us, and the show itself. If you too want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations. Tell a friend to listen to your favorite episode or leave a review on iTunes. All that helps out us out like quite a bunch. But yeah, likely we got a bunch of things wrong. <laughs> if you want to tell me about it or just want to bullshit, hit me up at explanationspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do no episode about it. Oh, and as for you, you are a very honest person. Bye now. Mm-hmm.